Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode number 34. Welcome to Positive Productivity Podcast, where we empower our audience to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success, especially in the face of adversity. Listen in as our guests reveal their stories of challenges and hurdles and how they overcame defeat and became triumphant in their endeavors. Let's get motivated and move forward with your host, Kim Sutton. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here. Today I have guest Kristen Byrice. I love how she told me to pronounce her name Byrice, not pasta. Isn't that just great? With Coach's Marketing Source. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Kim. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Yes, it sure is. And listeners, it's amazing who you can come in contact with. Yeah, let me try that again. Come in contact with when you're hosting a podcast and you don't even realize until you actually get on the the pre-show or even just talking beforehand. But Kristen and I live within, what, 20 minutes of each other? 30 or so, yeah. Yeah. So we're definitely, watch out in the future for something to happen, maybe Facebook Live or real life video podcast. I don't know how we'll work that out, but yeah, it's just really amazing though. Like when you put yourself out there, who you can come in contact with and why. So if, you know, just put yourself out there today and see what happens. But Kristen, please, I'd love for you to tell the audience like more about you. Which part about me? Oh, um, um, (laughs) yeah. Um, Well, so you are a coach or sorry, you work with coaches. And I'm a coach. And you're a coach and you say you're not a huge law of attraction person, but gratitude, like gratitude is important to you. And I'd love to hear more about that and how you also mentioned how people come up, comment. Yeah. Don't get flustered by your mouth issues. Let me just, I'm not going to edit that part out because I don't, I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to keep on rolling with the punches today. You say that people comment on your positivity. I would just love to hear about that and what positive productivity means to you. Okay. So yeah, gratitude is huge for me and that's how I get my positivity. People on Facebook, when I'm talking, I tend to put positive posts out. I believe that the more I you know, I, I do. I say I'm not really a law of attraction person, but at the same time, I believe that if you are positive about what's going on, then you feel positive about it. So if you can find the positive in everything, I'm always looking for the positive side of everything. Whenever there's a problem or a failure or whatever, I'm always looking for the learning. What did I learn from this? What can I take from this? How can I do better next time? More than wallowing in it. I don't like to wallow. I was a musical theater singer actress in New York for about six years. And during that time, I learned very quickly, you go into an audition, you do an audition. At the end of the audition, you may not get the job. So you have to quickly turn around and go, okay, what's next? Instead of sitting in the, oh, they aren't going to call me. I don't know. You know, instead of worrying about it and wondering about it, it was, I had to learn to what's next? What's next? Where am I going next? Oh, I didn't get that job. Well, I've got another one going. Let's go to this audition today. You know, looking for more of where I can go to make a positive impact instead of wallowing in the things that aren't going so well. That's kind of how that works for me. And when it comes to productivity, it's the same thing. It's, oh, that didn't work. Okay. So what's next? You know, it's, oh, that didn't go well. So what's next? And it's, 
looking at, you know, what's my day going to look like? What do I want it to look like? And adjusting it as I go. So I am just over here sort of laughing to myself about the coincidences. So did you move, we're both in Ohio listeners. So did you move to Ohio from New York or was there an interim location? I I grew up in Ohio and went out to New York to pursue that and then came back. Okay. So because I moved here, I grew up in New York and then moved to Ohio. (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And I moved here from Westchester where I was actually a a designer in New York city and, and in Greenwich interior designer. So a lot of the same thing. I mean, clients wouldn't like what I had put together. And even in college, you know, you work all night on a model and then you go into class and the professor takes an exacto through and it's all scrap and you have to go start all over again. Right. But at the end of the day, you've learned something and you just have to keep on going forward. I just had to ask, were you in New York on 9-11? Uh, I, w- I we lived in Jersey and I commuted into New York and we were, I was in Jersey okay. on 9-11 in Monmouth County is where I used to live. And yeah, I was supposed to be in New York that day and I chose to skip the audition and go the second day, which would have been the day, the 12th. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's when I was, I was living there too. I moved to Ohio in 2004. I was about a half block from the UN, but I mean, everything even that was a learning experience. Going into New York for the few days afterwards was a learning experience as well because every day you went in, something was happening and you had to listen to the news and listen to the radio on the way in on the train and didn't know what was going to be blocked and what wasn't going to be blocked and what scare was happening that day. You know, but it, it was all about, for me, and this is where the positivity comes in, you know, when that happened, you know, my husband was like, should we be heading back to Ohio now? <laughs> and, and I'm sitting there looking at him I'm going, I'm scared too. I get it. But my statement to him was no terrorist is going to take my dream away. Wow. Yeah. My mom actually called because I had just graduated college and my mom called and was yelling at me to move back upstate New York and to work at McDonald's because she didn't want me in the city anymore. Right. right. Yeah. But the same, the same there too. I mean, and, and it turned into a great thing in the city of New York. And I mean, that's just the view I had at that point. And I was also young, but so many volunteer opportunities came out of it. And And so many people from Jersey banded together, you know, it was the same deal there. We had a lot of positive reaction happen in, in Jersey, you know, and same thing after the, I wasn't there, but the hurricane that came through and, um, you know, all the flooding Sandy from flooding and everything. I talked to friends that were back in Jersey and the same thing happened then. Everybody pulled together. Everybody helped each other. I sent boxes of school supplies from here out to the schools there so that they would have school supplies and things like that because they all got waterlogged and (laughs) completely unusable. So, and that's, you know, and that's the thing is I would rather look at that. You know, I'd rather look at what's going to happen in the aftermath. How are we going to clean up? Who are we going to be? How are we going to band together? What are we going to create? together because of this. Don't you think that it's sort of, it could be taken to everything that's going on in America and worldwide right now? I mean, the week that we're recording this is just an aftermath of disaster after disaster after yeah. disaster, like worldwide. And I'm hoping that there will be listeners who listen to this, you know, years to follow, but like, we're just following all the police shootings and a lot of ISIS terrorist attacks. But I do see even with all the violence, there's a lot of people coming together and trying to work on a positive outcome. Yeah. I do believe that no matter how bad it is and no matter how, how horrid it is, there's a reason for it and there's something to be gained from it. 
And I also feel like there's, there's balance that happens and these things balance us out. So we get so cocky at some point, you know, that things are all good and wonderful. And and there's always a check of, okay, so where are we? And these are checks. These are check-ins. What do we need to adjust? What do we need to look for? Where do we need to change? And it's a way of looking at that. And it's, I don't know what power does that, but whatever it is, it's a way for us to check in and see what can we do better? How can we be better? What are we missing? And I feel like that's what these things are for. Yeah. And I feel like that's an awesome segue into, you know, what we, what we probably intended to talk about today, but like the, that checks and balance and not getting down about the outcomes that aren't as positive. I don't want to say negative outcomes. I want to say outcomes that aren't as positive, especially when, or in relation to marketing and everything for either our projects or our clients. So a big part of the coaching work you do, and sorry, I'm reading this directly off the sheet, is helping your clients find balance with marketing. Yeah. So how I'd love for you to discuss that with Mm. like pulling in what we've just talked about. Yeah, I, I think that there, what I see is a culmination. There comes a point in marketing the business that we hit that overwhelm wall (laughs) and it's a big overwhelm wall. It's like, I just can't do it anymore. There's too much going on. And that's the check. That's the check-in when you hit that big wall of there's just so much going on. I can't keep up. Everything's falling aside and I I don't know what to do. That's the point of check-in to check in and see where are you doing too much? Where are you going too far? How are you, is there some way you can whittle things down? I mean, you have to have balance. We have not only our businesses, but we have our lives, you know, and there's priorities. We have children, we have spouses, we have family, we have parents, we have, you know, all these other priorities, people in our lives. There's other obligations. If you're on boards for other organizations and things like that, we have responsibilities outside of our business. Within our business, we also have lots of responsibilities. There's clients, there's marketing, there's running the business. All these things play a part. What happens so much is that the marketing gets out of control. It's something that we add a little bit on all the time. We're like doing this and then we add something on and then we add something on and we add something on. And we think that we have to constantly be building on and doing more. So we keep doing more and more and more and more and more. And we get to the breaking point of beyond not being able to do it all. It goes beyond the point of this is how much I can handle. We're not looking at it. So we get, we hit the wall and now we have to check in and go, okay, I've got to fix this. This cannot happen. And it starts bleeding. Marketing starts bleeding into our weekends. It starts bleeding into our evenings. We're getting up early. We were supposed to go running, but instead of going running, we sit down at the computer and we do our marketing. This is where it gets out of hand. And you've got to check in and readjust and pull things away and come back to some sort of balance of this is how much time I want to really spend in my marketing because I have all these other things around it that I need to give my attention to too. That's so big because I'm seeing that trend right now. You know, people are on Facebook, they're on Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook Live, Periscope. Like how much is too much? Like, <laughs> and personally, I would just rather stick to two or three tops, and even even three, I feel like gets to be too much. Oh, and never never mind your blog and your podcast. You know that's a completely different 
<laughs> I mean, it's still marketing and that that's like a full-time job in itself. Every one of these things requires consistent action. It requires you to be doing something with it all the time. It's not something that, you know, if you're going to do it right, you need to be doing it regularly, consistently. And when we keep adding more and more things that we have to do consistently, it just keeps adding up and taking more and more and more and more time. And I think that people think that just because they're out there more that they're going to make more. But what even I forget sometimes is that just because I'm out there more, I am, I'm taking that time away that I can be using to make money. Because just because I well, and there's, doesn't mean I'm going to make money. That's right. But if you do choose wisely and you focus on things that are, first of all, and this is what I, I focus on with my clients is they have to be things that really feed who you are and they don't drain your energy. So if you're focused only on the things that feed your energy, you're going to be more apt to do it regularly. You're also going to be more apt to do it fully. And if you're fully into even one marketing strategy, you can be making money. It really just takes full attention and energy. And if it's feeding you, then that's going to bring in the clients. There's a limit to what we can do. I mean, even I'm, I'm looking at, I've been getting out there, speaking of getting out there, that 2014, I had set a goal to speak at a coach conference, a specific coach conference, and I knew it was coming up in 2016. So I spent all last year working on getting that gig. And I had the whole time I was thinking about it and the whole time I'm working on working towards that. So my entire focus for the year was speaking, 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 speaking. And that's all I focused on. I still did my newsletter and I still did Facebook and a little bit of Twitter and LinkedIn. But for the most part, I was working on where can I apply for another RFP? Where can I get more podcast talking? Where can I get more interviews and keep practicing? Where can I speak and practice different things? That was my whole year last year. I got that speaking gig. Yay. And yay. yay. Now I'm looking at, okay, now that I had that speaking gig, there are going to be more coming up. Right. How much do I really want to do that? Do I want to travel? Do I want to stay virtual? How much is that? You know, I can still stay visible and I can still get myself out there through speaking, but how much do I really want to be doing it? And I got an email last week actually from a group that wants it there was somebody there who saw my presentation at the conference and they're like, oh, we want to bring you in to do it here. And it means traveling. And I had to really look at that. And I, I like did not answer right away. And I'm normally a answer it right now and get it off my plate kind of person. <laughs> Talk about productivity. I'm right. like, do it now or it won't get done. But I was just like, nope, I have to stop. I have to breathe. I have to think about this. Do I want to travel at that time of year? Is that going to conflict with other things I have going on at home? What's happening you know, with my husband? I had to check in with him and see, okay, what are we planning for that part of the year? Is it okay if I go away for a few days? And look at you know, what do we have going on around that? We have Thanksgiving coming up after it. We have Christmas coming up after that. You know, do I have the time to take away? So many things. And I spent four days just letting it sit and ruminate and think and feel into it to see, is this right for me? Is this what I want to do before responding? Yes, this is something that I want to do, but I had to go through that. And so much of what I see going on out there is that we're not taking that time. It's just jump. Oh, somebody says I should do this. I'm going to go. Oh, I got this opportunity. I'm going to go without thinking about the ramifications. And then the burnout comes when you realize that you've just booked yourself for 80 to 120 hours a week. 
Exactly. And that's, that's the wall. That's the big overwhelm wall. And if you're not stopping and looking at the balance, if you're not looking at your priorities, if you're not looking at what's matching you, that's exactly where you're going to land up. And, and it kills me, kills me, kills me to watch my clients come in and they come into me at this point and I'm just like, Oh, I'm so sorry because it doesn't have to be that way. And you can start at the very beginning to prevent that. So I need to retract what I said earlier about maybe doing a Facebook live, because I think we can certainly do another episode in person on a podcast because that was my own attempt at going into a marketing method that I'm not really comfortable with that isn't in sync with what I do. Yes, I do feel that people need to get out there, but that's not necessarily the way that I'm not most comfortable with. And I feel, and you've probably seen this with your own clients, that they see that, quote, everybody else is doing it. So they feel that they need to jump in too. Every day. Yeah. But no. (laughs) Nope. Nope, 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 nope. You don't need to jump in if it's not for you. And, and that's the thing is you got to know what is for you and what isn't for you. You got to know what's the right choice for you and what's going to work for you. And if you're not judging it on that, if you're just jumping in and, and, and the reason I got into this coaching work with it and the consulting piece is because I was a virtual assistant and I had a team of virtual assistants working with me and we were doing all the work for coaches and they kept coming to me and saying, okay, let's do this. And I would say, why? And they would say, because so-and-so told me to. And I'd be like, that's not a good enough answer. (laughs) And they're like, but that's the answer I have. I'm going to do it. And as a virtual assistant, I didn't feel like I had the power to say, no, don't do that. And at the time, I didn't have a process to help them find what they should be doing. So I just went ahead and did it. And what would happen every single time, it would fall flat on its face. And I got tired of watching that happen. And that's why I started doing this work is to prevent that from happening, to look at from behind and start. And I created the process to help people to look at what, why are you making these decisions? What decisions would be a better decision? How do you judge what direction you need to go? So now I prevent people from getting to the point where they have a VA and they're paying them to fall flat on their face. Yes. I love that. (laughs) Because I mean, coming from the VA side myself, I mean, that's how I started my business I feel exactly the same way. Like as a VA, you sort of feel powerless to say why and you don't, and your no's aren't often as heard. Yeah. But even if you don't have the credentials to say, I mean, there's coaches out there who, who don't have ICF or, or whatever credentials, but you can still position yourself to give your expert, expert knowledge and say no to people so that it does prevent them from falling. And I, I don't like saying I told you so, but. <laughs> and, and I did. I said that a couple times to a few clients. And they're like, look, I pay you to do what I tell you to do. And I'm like, okay. And that was my sign to get out. Right. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be paid to be told what to do. I want to help people figure out what's going to work for them. Right. Is this a team or am I your, your employee? Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, and, and in the virtual assistant, world, you know, that's, that's what they were paying me for. That's what we'd hired on for. That was the relationship we created. And I was trying, I wanted to change it. And because I hadn't set it up that way, I couldn't do it. And for me, it just made most sense to just drop that part of the business and just go into the coaching consulting part and be able to focus in on this place of, you know, what's going to work for you and how can we 
find that. And I have had so much more fun doing that than I ever did doing virtual assistant work. Yes. But I have to ask though, like, do you think more people should look at their VAs as a team member rather than a employee? I think they definitely should. I think that it depends on your virtual assistant though. There are some virtual assistants who have a breadth of knowledge and can share so much information with you and give you options for you to choose from and give their opinion on what will work. There are some virtual assistants who really are good at doing the work, but don't really know anything else. So it depends on which virtual, the kind of virtual assistant you have and how they, what they yeah. know and what their knowledge base is and how much experience they have as to whether they can actually chime in. But I think that there can be more leaning in for their opinion. Do you think I should go this direction instead of saying we need to go this direction? I think anybody who has a virtual assistant should always be checking in. What are your thoughts on this before actually having them do it? Because if the VA knows it's not going to work and they tell you it's not going to work and you don't listen and then it doesn't work, you're going to blame the VA. <laughs> yeah, and It's not the VA's fault if the VA knows it's not going to work. But if you don't ask them, many of them don't feel like they can speak up because they don't feel like they're going to be heard. So if you create an environment where your VA is heard, they know that they can be heard and they know they can speak up and share their opinion, you will actually spend a heck of a lot less with them and you will be much more successful with them. I completely agree. I love all that. And the same goes like team-wide from the copywriter to the graphic designer. I mean, straight across the board, even your web developer, if you, I'm just going to use WordPress, you know, you, you say that you want this plugin installed. I mean, even just asking them their opinion, maybe they even have a better one that they can recommend. And usually they do. Yeah, usually (laughs) they do. That's so right. Usually they do have a better opinion and better idea of what's out there. And, and that's the thing is, especially in like the coaching healing that kind of world, the people who are, and and this is what I know from the work that I've been doing the last four years, the people who are in those industries aren't very, they aren't very always knowledgeable on marketing and marketing technologies. They don't always know what the best thing to do. They know they don't know what they don't know. And they rely on other people to tell them. And there's so many opinions out there. The best person to ask is the person who has their hands in your stuff. Right. Versus the person who's out there saying, this is what I need to do. The best person to ask is the one who's working with it. The one who's seeing what's working, what's not. The one who's actually got their hands in the nitty gritty of it and can go back and look at your open rates and they can go back and look at your visits to the website and they can go back and look at your analytics and actually tell you, you know, this is what worked last time. Maybe we should just stick to that. I agree. Yeah. And I think having that person is so critical and not trying to do it all yourself. I Well, I agree. And I also think that there's a point in time when you need to do it yourself. I think in the beginning, you have to do it yourself because you have to learn what the basics are. Yeah. You have to learn the basics of the technology so you understand how it works and you can ask people to do work for you. You have to understand what the strategy is so that you understand how it's supposed to be executed so you can ask somebody to execute it. You need to do it yourself in the beginning, especially so that you have an idea of what works for you and what doesn't work for you. So you can experiment, so you can play with it. And so you can figure out what part of it is the part that you like, the part you don't like, the part that you want to work with, the part that works well for you, the part where it gets you the clients for you and the parts that don't. So you know what to pass off. That 
that exploration in the beginning is crucial to understanding the foundation of your marketing health of your business for the rest of the growth of your business. What is something that you see being delegated that really shouldn't be? Like, have you, have you noticed a trend that people are delegating anything specific? And this could be a no answer. Yeah, I think just about anything can be delegated except for initial posts on your personal Facebook profile mm-hmm. or Twitter profile. I think your personal stuff needs to come from you. I think responses need to come from you. I think the articles and things that you write for your newsletter and stuff like that, they can be done by a ghostwriter, but you have to be on a conversation with that ghostwriter for them to take notes so that they can take your words and they can make it into something. I think that your copy is the same way. It has to be you initiating with a conversation and somebody taking notes and then forming that into copy. Your words have to be in your marketing. If your words are not there, if your personality is not there, you will not get clients. I completely agree. Like you can't have somebody, a copywriter write your about page and have it sound like it's coming a completely different person because the second you get on a phone with that potential client, you're going to realize this is not who I was reading. And and that's part of the trust building and that's the trust building and marketing expert for this reason because this is the kind of stuff I talk about is where are you building trust, where are you breaking trust from the very beginning? And when your words and your personality are not in your marketing, the moment they get on the phone with you, you've got an immediate trust break and they're not going to hire you. It's just not going to happen. They have to get the person on the phone that's coming through in the marketing. So you have to be present in it. You cannot just completely pass it off. I I so agree. Now I've got a question for you. Business cards, yes or no? Depends. (laughs) Depends. <laughs> I don't have yes/no answers. Um, there's always a, it depends because anything can work for anybody. Business cards. I think if you are actually meeting people in person, then yes, you need business cards. If you are completely virtual, there's no need for a business card. There's a need for at least a business card website, <laughs> but there is no need for an actual business card if you're not physically meeting people and going to be able to pass it off to them anyway. So I would agree with that fully, but there are times when I'm out and just, I am an introvert, but I could start talking randomly to people and then they want to know how they can reach me. So while I do get, I mean, you're probably the first person I've spoken with or one of the first that's within like a a 30 mile radius in the past four years regarding business, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, even though I've done a couple of networking groups, but the benefit of being able to reach into my pocket or my purse, my wallet, whatever, and grab a business card. I mean, it, it's, it has been beneficial. So, okay. um, well, and some people are just telling them to text their number, you know, text to, yeah. I suppose we could just do that now. Yeah, we can do There's a lot of that now, but see, you know, that's, that's part of your process. Part of your process is to have a conversation with people sometimes randomly and you know, you're going to need that. Not everybody does that. So it really depends on how you work in the world. Do you work in a way that you're going to randomly run into people, have a conversation and, Oh, Hey, let me give you my business card. I have business cards because I go networking. I have business cards because I go to conferences. I have business cards because I randomly run into people too and have conversations and want them at that moment. So I think most people probably do need them, but yeah, I, I think there are some people who don't actually need them. 
I'm not going to argue that at all. <laughs> but again, it's, it's, it's up to you. It's how do you work? How do you work in the world of marketing? Do you work in a way where you're going to need that or not? That's the question. Right. And now that I think about it, actually, my business cards are outdated. Like they're like three years old because that's how that's how often I go through them. I mean the the likelihood of me having to take one out in a given month is slim. But so I have one last question for you because I do try to keep these commutable. What would you say are the two to three and I know this varies per person and per client or industry, but are there any two to three marketing assets that you think each person should have? And define marketing assets. Well, blog, okay. uh, email list, um, a specific social media profile. Yeah. I think you most definitely have to have a website. I don't think you can go without a website these days. I think you have to have a presence on one social media network and be building that network and have a good following on it on one, no more than one. Like you can have more if you want them, but I don't think you need more than one. And I think the other marketing asset that you have to have is a solid differentiated way of talking about your business to say, this is what I do. And this is how I'm different than other people who do it. Can you clarify that a little bit? Like what, what would you say falls into that? Let me just put it this way. If somebody were to ask you, what do you do? the answer needs to be something that doesn't sound like every other person in your industry. So your unique selling proposition? Yes. Yeah. And, and okay. more so than that, it needs to be something that's unique to you and defines your personality for them. So you will pardon the cuss, but I have no other way to say it, but like your kick-ass elevator pitch, which really drives you apart from anybody else. It doesn't even have to be one thirty second pitch. Right. Just, right. You need to know what it is so you can speak from that and you can speak from it confidently sure. and be able to express who you are through it. Yeah. I love it. I don't like memorization of elevator speeches. It has to come from oh, a different place. Neither do I. And I couldn't even, it's so horrible. I can't even tell you the tagline for one of my sites right now, just because like, it's not, I have it because I was told I needed it. Isn't that bad? But it, there's another example. Right. Yep. I have it because I was told I should, but that's not what I'm going to tell people. And that's, yeah, exactly. And that's, that's why it's not even worth it to go through it. Right. <sighs> yes. Quit spending your money in places that you think you have to do, but don't work for you. I love that. Can you repeat that one more time so people can write it down? Quit spending your money in places where people tell you you have to do it, but don't work for you. There you go. <laughs> Kristen, where can our listeners find out more about you and get in touch? Coachesmarketingsource.com. Thank you so much. There will be show notes on this, Kristen. This has been so valuable. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Hey there, this is Kim Sutton, host of the Positive Productivity Podcast. And I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and were inspired, I would love to hear your feedback please take a moment or two and visit the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or on my website at thekimsutton.com to leave your rating or review. I'd also like to invite you to join the Positive Productivity Book Club and to find out more about my coaching packages by visiting thekimsutton.com. Until the next episode, I hope you have a positive and productive day.